go. Perfect. So today we continue with Jonah. Today we're going to look at chapters 2 and 3. So Jonah as a whole kind of fits the reason Jonah has four chapters. It's almost like there's four scenes in a play, right? It's almost like there's these four distinct movements in the story. You've got chapter 1 that is the intro with the storm where Jonah runs and then there's the storm and then it ends with him ending up in the ocean. And then you have a song that Jonah sings, which is basically a song. And then you have Jonah in Nineveh, and then you have the response. So there's these four panels, and that's kind of why we're treating it the way we are. Um, I mentioned yesterday that today we're going to do chapter 2. And in the Hebrew text of it, what we have is verse 17, is actually chapter 2, verse 1 in the Hebrew. Okay? And I kind of like the Hebrew version of it because Jonah getting swallowed by the fish and Jonah getting spit out by the fish form a nice bracket to his song that's there. And so that's what I want you to do. So today, what you're going to do is what we did yesterday. Huddle up in groups of three or four or five. Whatever is, right? I'll give you freedom. Six may be too many, but if you can make it work, that's cool. I want you to read chapter 2 out loud because the biblical text was actually not written to be read. Original audience would have not been read individually. It was publicly. Public reading of Scripture. So read it out loud. It's meant to be read out loud. And then just talk through the questions here. What surprises you? What confuses you? What seems unbelievable? Maybe what seems tragic? And then just make notes. Like there's a space there for observation. Just make notes of anything that you're seeing or noticing as you kind of discuss it. All right, so we'll do small group work, and then we'll come back together and talk about chapter two. And then a little bit later, we'll do the same thing for chapter three. Three together. I know, I know. I'm telling you, for somebody who loves to teach like this, you guys are in such a hardcore conversation that it breaks my heart. Okay, so let's talk for just a little bit. Don't go too far, because as soon as we're done with this, you're going to go right back in and do the same thing for chapter three. See, but I'm not an owl, so I got you. So, as you were walking through chapter two, what surprised you? I've never noticed that um, it says the fish for three days and three nights, then Jonah prayed. I'm assuming it took him three days and nights in this fish to say, maybe I should pray. <laughs> Good. Anybody else notice that? Anybody else talk about that? We did a lot yeah. of thinking time. Yeah. Right. And what is he reflecting on? Because that's reflection time. Like, what's he kind of reflecting on? I think uh, it came up here uh, that he was alive. He should have been dead. He expected to be dead. He's he even says in past tense, I was at the bottom of the sea, buried in the, in the sediment. 
And God lifted me out of it. Right. In a sense, he's, he, he's saved. Right. So what does this song or prayer of Jonah feel like if you read it? If I, let me just put it this way. If I handed you this and didn't tell you where it was from, what does it feel like? It reads like the Psalm of David. Right. It reads like the Psalms, doesn't it? So that's why, actually, I call it Jonah's song. It's actually Jonah's song. This is an absolute, perfect example of a song that is not found in the Psalms, right? Of this genre, this feel of literature, right? You have some songs that David did that you'll find in Kings or Chronicles that may not actually be in the Psalter, right? But it's got the same feel to it. So Jonah's three days in this fish, and he's mulling something over, and this song seems to be his expression, rumination, pondering, Without knowing, came out of that. without knowing what we know. We right. know the rescue plan because we, we, we know the story. Right. We didn't know the rescue plan yet. Right. Like. Right. And so notice um, the first verse, the end of chapter 1 in English, which would be the verse 2-1 in. So 117 in English is actually 2-1 in Hebrew, right? Yes. But the Lord provided. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to notice that word. And hold on to it as we walk through the rest of Jonah. The Lord provided a fish. A large fish. To swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God for the belly of the fish saying. So, what's Jonah talking about? Like as you read this prayer, this song, this psalm of Jonah. What's he meditating on? What's he, what surprised you or confused you or even just stood out to you in it? It kind of saved him even though he didn't deserve it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is a psalm of salvation, right? Of thanksgiving. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, what else? He's already claiming victory that it's going to happen before it even does. Okay. He's still there. And right. he's saying this is going to be different. Right. 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 He is actually saying, I have been saved, but he's still in the fish. Yes. Right? Well, because he was saved. He was saved, right? He was saved from what? From the from yes. drowning. Right. Death, right? Right. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. What else? Well, in chapter one, you read that it was the, the sailors that flew overboard, that it was at his request or whatever. But in here, he's, he's saying, um, but you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. So he's realizing that the Lord's orchestrated everything, and he's recognizing that even though it was the sailors that actually threw him in, it was, it was God. Right. God's hands that he it. Right, it is, but at the same time, it makes me ask some questions. Jonah, who's actually responsible for you to be in the mess you're in? Yeah. Jonah. Yeah. Jonah. Is this God? Is this you? Right? I mean, God is at work. God is moving all of this mess to save him, right? But I, there's, there's a few points in this, and I, I, we can talk about them, that to me it feels like Jonah's a little tone deaf. Yeah. <laughs> or 
he's not quite self-aware yet. I noticed he's you know? not praying for the pagan sailors, but for himself. Right. Right. I mean, there's no, like, again, let's jump into it, right? So, two ways to translate this verse. We had a great, we had a great question about, um, you may notice sometimes, uh, there's a place where Jonah says, then I am driven away from your sight, right? So you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me, right? God of, I am a Hebrew, I serve the God who created the, Man, the seas and the land, dry land, right? All of your waves cast over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I again look upon your holy temple? Question mark. Right? In some translations, that's not a question. That's a statement. Mm -hmm. But that's based on a translation of how the translators are reacting to a Hebrew verb tense. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I can't walk you through all of that. But my best guess on that one is that's what that is. When you get down a little bit later, Jonah says this. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord. Well, well that's great, Jonah. You know? You're about to die, and you go, well, maybe I should repent now, okay? I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake true loyalty. Okay, there's two ways to translate this. This is the New Revised Standard, and there's a chunk of translations that follow this. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. The NIV, does anybody have NIV? Read the NIV. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Right. And so it's just imagine, it's trying to determine how do you, the Hebrew's not super clear. Either one of these are valid translations. Could you repeat that one? Yeah. I mean the, the one. Uh, yeah. The Read the NIV one more time. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Right. So again, Jonah is putting himself in the camp. Like, is he putting himself in the camp of those who trust in the true God? Is he putting himself in the camp of somebody who was clinging to an idol and now has repented so that he can encounter grace? He is acknowledging there's that it exists and that there's sowing and reaping involved. Right. Right. But I really question he's going to fulfill his vows. But in the New Living it says... My salvation comes from the Lord alone. But right. did he receive that gift yeah. of salvation in his heart? Okay, hold on to that question. We'll talk about that at the end of chapter 3 when we do that. And also tomorrow as we deal with chapter 4. Right? One of the great things about Jonah's story is his story is just as messy as ours is. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, you've got a guy here who has deeply encountered the salvation of God. Physically, he is dying. He is drowning. And what may seem like a good idea, we talked yesterday that is he suicidal? Is he depressed? Is there something going on? Is he saying, I'd rather die than do what God told me to do? Right? I mean, there's a good chance. Like, as you read chapter 1, that Jonah's like, just pitched me overboard. I'd rather die than obey. Well, that lasted a while, but... This song says at some point Jonah's like, yeah, I kind of screwed up there. <laughs> that was not a wise choice. And 
he begins to repent, but God had already appointed a fish to save him. And so Jonah's reflecting in this. Understanding that this... Anyway, any other questions? Yeah. Um, back to that, because there were the two different translations, one in Hebrew, where yeah. from Hebrew touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. mine says those in a those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. Right. Is the one interpretation of that is that referring to like the sailors forsaking their own faith and recognizing the true faith? Well, okay, so part of what you gotta figure out is this. And this is a translation issue, and it's just the Hebrew isn't as clear yeah. as what we'd like it to be. Right. And there's two ways to translate it. The word there that's translated faithfulness or loyalty or grace is this huge Old Testament term called hesed. It is God's faithful covenant love for his people. It is that never giving up always after them love that never lets go. Right? You know, um, it's the song we sing in Lamentations all the time. You know, we base um, great is thy faithfulness. You know, his mercies are new every morning, right? And it's this hesed, this covenant, and it's, it's tied to God's covenant with his people. It is God's covenant love. That's also the same word that's used for human faithfulness towards God. Okay? So, um, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm, I'm it's flaky off the top of my head. Um, it is, uh, I'll look it up while you guys are in chapter 3. There's a really famous passage where the prophet talks about God's people and says, hey, you guys, in light of God's covenant faithfulness to you, you guys show no loyalty. There's nothing. You guys are as fickle as the day is long. And it's the same word, right? So the question is, it's his faithfulness, his loyalty. Is it, is it, is it God's loyalty towards others? Or is it a person's loyalty towards God? Okay. And so the Hebrew is a little unclear, and so that's why you get this. So in the NRSV, it says, those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. They forsake the loyalty that is due God. Right. Okay? Or those who worship idols forsake the grace that could be theirs. They're turning away from the loyalty, that gracious covenant unrelenting faithfulness that God shows that he wants to give them. Right? And so it's it's who's turning and towards what? Am I turning my back on the grace that God wants to offer me or am I turning my back on the loyalty that I should be offering God? Yeah. So that's why there's a little bit of a translation snafu, or translation thing. Yeah. When he says, but I with the with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice uh -huh. to you what I have vowed I will pay. Does it say what he, what he vows he would pay? Right. So, again, let's, well, two, two, great question. I want to, I'll end our discussion a little bit with this. Okay. For those who were here yesterday, where have we talked about vow of repayment? Where have we already seen that in Jonah? The pagan sailors. Thank you. Yeah. Pagan sailors. After God saved them, what do they say? They had made vows we're going to offer sacrifices. Right? It's part of the thing, right? It's the, God, if you come through, right, we're going to worship you, and this is what we're going to do. Okay? 
this is part of the worship language that happens in Israel. Okay? And so this is normal. It's also normal for these songs of thanksgiving. Let me read some passages out of Psalm 30 for you guys. All right? You can, you're welcome to flip with it. So Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you've healed me. You've brought my soul up from Sheol. That's the Hebrew in their mindset. That's where dead people die. Went. That's the place of the dead. It's not hell. It's not heaven. It's just the place where those who had died went, awaiting the future. Okay? And restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, all you faithful ones. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Verse 8, right? Um, to you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my debt if I, death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing, my sackcloth into ashes. Though my soul will praise you and not be silent, O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Like, this is one of the echoes that you're going to find. This, what Jonah does, is a classic psalm of thanksgiving. Thanking God for his deliverance. Starts with a word of praise. Then it talks about what God has done and the way God has delivered and often they will often end with, and so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep praising you forever. I'm going to offer sacrifices the next time I go to the temple. I'm going to, <coughs> I'm going to remain faithful to you. <coughs> There's often some sort of a promise of future worship and future loyalty because of what God has done and the way God has saved. It's just part of this kind of format or genre of song. Scholars have gone and looked at the Psalms, okay? And they've, they've realized that there are certain categories. There are kind of buckets that you can put certain Psalms in. There are the Messianic ones. Shoot, we're going long. So we're the Messianic ones that um, basically talk about the future coming king. They talk about the king, right? And then there are different kind of Psalm buckets that you can put things in. This is a Thanksgiving Psalm, which... Again, accentuates the fact the fish was not punishment. It was salvation. And the three days there were ruminating on the salvation of God. Yes. Well, Jonah's believing good and right things for right. himself, but he's still setting him up, himself apart from the idol worshipers who he seems like he assumes their judgment is sealed or should be right. sealed. And that's what we're going to be getting into for the rest of the book, right? Jonah's slow to the party. The pagan sailors on the boat figured this out without having to go down to the bottom of the ocean and almost die, right? Jonah's slow. Okay. <laughs> I'm slow. I'm not always the quickest on the draw. My stubbornness gets in the way. My wants, my desires, my past, my... God, you ought to be doing it this way. Okay? Um, quickly, because we need to transition to chapter 3. Yeah? So, 
So he knew he was going to get out of the belly of the fish by saying, uh, I will sacrifice what I have got, I will pay. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know. I, that's a great question. At what point did Jonah know the fish was going to spit him out? I don't know. I, have a I think it was the moment he got swallowed. I, I think he knew. I think I have a, a, a little understanding about it. Just studying Jonah, Jonah's personality. Remember, he was upset with God, and he was saying, I knew, I knew you're a merciful God. I knew you were going to be So I think he knew. Right. He had that, you know, he was going to be. And more than, okay. more than Jonah knowing God, God knew Jonah. Yeah. God knew his heart. Well, so when he said that, God saw yeah. the confession and the sincerity. So let's transition to chapter 3. Could I just ask, what was that psalm yeah. number? 30. 30. Thank you. Um, let's transition to chapter 3. Let's do a discussion. We may have to do some discussion <laughs> next time, right, in processing. But I want you to sit with chapter 3. I've got your has said verse. Micah 6 and 8. Yeah. 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 Yeah.